You guys ever consider why some animals can see better than humans in the dark? Or am I the only one who's ever thought that? <laughs> you guys know they can, right? Okay, good. There's this thing, and I'm fascinated by it, so I decided to share it with you guys. It's called Tapetum lacedum. How many of you guys have heard of that before? Oh, good. We're going to learn a little something tonight then. Okay? It means, the Latin actually means bright tapestry, but there's a layer of tissue in these nocturnal animals uh, that we don't have, and a lot of them that are out at night do have them. In fact, it almost acts like a mirror, okay? Have you guys ever caught deer doing this as you're driving down the road in the middle of the night? Yeah, we live in Wisconsin. We've probably seen a lot of these eyeballs <laughs> um, in our lifetime, but it reflects, okay? There's this uh, visible light that comes back through the retina, increasing the light availability to those uh, photoresponders in their eyeballs. So their eyes shine back, oftentimes white and bright. So the uh, tapetum lacedum, guys, really contributes to the superior night vision of some animals. Now, as humans, we don't have it, but you guys ever wonder why our photos, we have the red eyeball issue sometimes? You guys remember that? I know they fixed that with our new camera phones. It's not as bad as it used to be, but I remember all my photos from growing up, so many of those. We got red eyeballs. What's going on? Well, the flash is so bright, it's catching those blood vessels in our eyes, and that's why they show red, but none of us see really good in the dark, okay? These guys, they got something special special going on right so the key okay these nocturnal animals they're equipped with something that others just don't have so brings me to a question i want to pose to you guys tonight why do some people spiritually get it and others don't you guys ever wonder that you know why can some animals see better at night than humans i love there's a hymn that i think all of us probably know. Amazing Grace. How many of you guys have ever sung that at a funeral? Or Yeah, it's played all the time. But the line in there, I was once blind, but now I see. That's really hit home, spiritually speaking. How many of you guys have come to a faith in God, and when you did, your eyes were opened really for the first time spiritually. Like before, you had no clue that you were even blind. So when the guy who wrote that hymn shares that line, it makes sense, doesn't it? Like, whoa, I was blind, <laughs> but now I can see. And that's what we really want to see for all people. That's what God, our creator, wants for us, is that we would have spiritual eyes to see the truth. Tonight, we're calling this Hunting for Truth Dinner, okay? I think that's a pretty cool name. We like to hunt. A lot of you guys are hunters. You're here because you like to hunt. Hunting's fun. It's cool. But what are we hunting for? And sometimes people are blind and they don't even know what they should be hunting for. Have you guys ever heard the term blind flying or flying blind? You guys heard that before? You guys know there's actually a difference between the two? There's a difference. You see, blind flying means you're ignorantly moving forward, never knowing when you're going to hit something. Okay, you guys ever do that? Oh, yeah. You know, oh, I'm going to go in the basement because the power's out in the house and try to find the breaker. And you're walking around in the dark of the basement and you're tripping over stuff. So that would be blind flying. 
But if you're flying blind, the difference is you're using instruments for flying. You guys know the aircraft, sometimes they have to go some, through some crazy storm or mist or clouds, but they have these instruments to help them fly blind, okay? So there are those who, I'll throw out one more just for fun. You guys ever hear of flying by the seat of your pants? <laughs> yeah, let me share that real quick. It's when your hope is in hope or your faith is in faith, okay? Which makes about much sense as, say, sleeping rocks having dreams. That's just stupid, okay? Some people, well, you just have to have faith in faith. What? That makes absolutely no... But I think when people are spiritually blind, well, you just have to have hope in something. you got to have hope in something. I was sharing one time in Southern California along the beach. I was out sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with others. And this one guy told me that his Savior, his spirituality, was in his skateboard. That was his higher power, a skateboard. That was his hope. You know, that's why I'm bald today. It just did not make sense, okay? <laughs> um, but your heart breaks because there are a lot of people, they're looking for hope, okay? They want to have a sense of spirituality. They want to have faith in something. And don't you guys think that God's created us just to have faith? That's just how we are as human beings. We want to put faith in something or someone. So I want to consider as we go through this, just this idea of blind flying or flying blind. Um, I remember many years ago, I was in high school. I was up north, Nicolay National Forest. Have you guys ever been up there? Beautiful part of the state, walking trails all over, huge public woods. You know, you can go for miles and miles and not see anybody. You can find marshes and swamps if you want and get stuck. But there's a ton that you can experience. Well, I was up north hunting with my dad, and I forget what happened, but we spent the day hunting. Didn't get a deer. That's not abnormal for us. But we get back to the car, you know, pack up our stuff, get ready to go, and the truck wouldn't start. Was it the starter? Forget what it was. There was something it didn't start. We ended up having to... Solenoid. Oh, yeah, solenoid. Okay, there we go. Anyways, it wasn't working. So it's the 90s, and we were in a time where cell phones weren't a thing yet. So we're stuck up in the middle of the national forest and we have to start walking out and it was dark by this time and as we're walking we're hearing stuff we're going down this logging road and we're hearing all these noises in the woods like what the is that a bear is that a bunch of bears because they're on both sides of the road what's going on right well we needed the right instrument because it was dark and these human eyeballs don't do too well in the dark. And we had flashlights. And wasn't that the coolest thing? We turn on the flashlight. Here are all these deer that we hunted for all day and didn't see. They come, to, they come out now when we can't hunt them, but they're there looking at us. And I don't know how many. There were a bunch like, we're up in the big woods where there's not many deer, but they all just decided to come check us out at this point. But because we had the right instrument, because we had a flashlight, a light to show us what's going on, where we couldn't see, what's making that noise, what's there, we we're able to see all these deer coming up to the side of the roads to check us out. And do you guys know God's kind of the same way? He's there. He's there, but a lot of people don't know he's there. 
They may see the effects of him. Okay, I even talk to atheists who really aren't atheists. They say, I don't believe in God, but I see the effects. I see legitimate faith in other human beings. I've seen things that you couldn't explain unless it was supernatural, unless there was a God behind it. They just can't see because they don't have the right instruments to turn on the light, to see that he's there. So I found in this life, guys, that oftentimes we're flying blind, okay? Am I the only one? You guys ever feel that way? I feel like I'm flying blind often. You guys think about all the stuff that's going on in life. There's a lot of crud and craziness in our world, right? There's confusion. There's a lot of counterfeits out there. There's a lot of conniving catastrophes. Did you guys see what's going on in Australia right now? Crazy flooding. Just in a few day, days, they had like half their rainfall for the entire year. I mean, houses are being covered. Flooding, like, like we see a lot of crazy stuff. We look at Ukraine and Russia. Um, but it's hard to look at all this stuff. What's really going on? You know, what's happening? I think we need a light. Okay? And I've found in my life, guys, that the Bible, okay, this book, it is that light. It is the greatest instrument that I've found in this life to make sense of those things that don't make sense, that I don't see clearly, that I don't get, that I had been blind to. God's word is a light. I want you guys to <clears throat> take a look here. Okay, I got my Bible holster here. Okay, I walk around with this and I've been stopped several times in stores. People think I'm carrying guns when you're not supposed to have a gun in there. I'm like, nope. You know, it is a weapon. It's just the <laughs> word of God. It's a sword, you know. Um, but on my, my Bible holster, I have Psalm 119.105 because this instrument, God's word, his book to us, he tells us in the Psalms, he says that his word is a lamp to our feet and is a light unto our path. As this world, guys, it's easy to walk in darkness. Okay, Satan's good at keeping people in the dark. He doesn't want anybody to come to the light. But when people begin to seek the Lord, hunt for truth, lights are going to start going on, and they're going to start to see. And that's one thing the Word of God does. When we open His Word, whoa, illumination. It's a beautiful thing. So I want to encourage you guys. I don't know where you're at with God or spiritual things or if you've even read the Bible. But I would encourage you guys, open up the word because it really will be a light onto your feet. So I don't like tripping around. You guys ever get out to your deer stand before the sun's up? Yeah, my dad taught me that's how crazy we got to be when we're hunters. You know, get up in the middle of the night, get all your gear together, drive into the woods, and hey, we're going to walk in in the dark. And there was times I tried to do it without a light. And walking in the dark through the woods, man, you, you trip only a certain amount of times before you find like, uh, I probably should use a light, you know. So now I got one that goes on my hat and, you know, following. And I cheat to get my, my stand. You guys have any of those tacks that you put into your trees so you can find your way to your... Am I the only cheater? Okay. Anyways, I want to share a scripture with you guys out of the Gospel of John. In John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, this is Jesus speaking, okay? And Jesus is God according to this book. There's a lot of people that don't know that, 
Okay? They think Jesus was a little baby that came a few thousand or a couple thousand years ago and was born in a manger and died. You know, no, it's the living God. He came with a purpose, and a lot of people don't know that purpose because they never have been illuminated. They're living in the dark. Well, who is God? You have your faith. Well, what about this faith and that faith? You know, well, God has chose to reveal himself to us, to give us truth. But so many people don't ever take the time to seek or to hunt for that truth. But I believe that Jesus is God. That's what he says. And he also tells us here in John 8, Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Isn't that a cool thought? Isn't that the one thing people want? We just want our freedom. Hitler, leave us alone. (laughs) Stay in your own country. You're nuts. We just want our freedom. And even in our own country, you guys know we enjoy more freedoms than any other country in the world. Aren't people still in the freest country still up in arms? We want our freedom. There's something that God's put in us and we know it's right. Do you guys know that God came, Jesus came for freedom's sake? So when he says something like, hey, freedom's a pretty big deal. I want you to be free. But you're going to find that freedom when you know the truth. There's an importance to hunting for truth, to knowing the truth. Because when you know the truth, you're going to be set free. So truth, guys. God's word should be accepted as absolute truth. But is it today? I know a lot of people scoff at the word of God. It's to a point they don't even allow it into our public schools. We'll bring other religious books in and share them with our kids, but not the Bible. Why is that? Satan doesn't want people to see. He wants to keep them blind. He wants to keep them in the dark. He wants to take down as many people with him as possible. So, there's many philosophies today. There's ideas. You know, ideologies out there, claims based on truth. But Jesus here is speaking that the ascent of, you know, proposition is trusting in Jesus himself who said that I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. Jesus said that. That is a claim he made. So that's something we got to wrestle with. Are we going to actually believe that truth? If that light is made known to us that Jesus is declaring that he is the only way to be saved, the only way to get into heaven, the only way to be forgiven of sins and have eternal life, do we believe him or are we calling him a liar? Because that is a pretty bold claim that he made, isn't it? Do you guys know the Hindus today? Millions, billions of Hindus in the world. They will embrace every religion in the world. Do you guys know that? They have Hundreds and thousands upon thousands of gods in different beliefs. But they will not accept the God of this book. This is the only God that they will not accept. And do you guys know why? Because Jesus said, I am the only way. Period. I am it. I am the truth. And they don't like that. It kind of makes sense to me, though. How many gods can there really be? It's only one creator, guys. There's only one God. So why is the God of this book the only one that's singled out? Hmm. That would make me want to actually open it up and maybe find out why, right? (laughs) 
Let's hunt a little bit. Let's find out. You see, the word of God does not claim to contain, you know, just to contain truth, but it is truth. Do you guys get that distinction? It is not simply true, but it is truth itself. So why is this important? Because there's no higher standard of truth to compare it by. You see, the Bible really is the final standard of truth. That's what I believe with all my heart. I don't know if you've come to that same conclusion or not. But if we don't receive what God says, then we're going to receive, because we're going to have faith in something. We're either going to believe what we think, my opinion, and I know I'm not the smartest guy. <laughs> you know, who, who cares what I think? Who cares what you think? You're just another mere mortal person among how many billions upon billions that have lived throughout history and all their opinions and thoughts. In that church, in that denomination, in those religions, who cares? Not everybody, not every thought can be true. There is a truth. And that truth comes from God himself. And he's declared it to you and I. I want to share with you guys, if we have a high standard of the scriptures of the Bible, if we believe that it is that final standard of truth, on the other side of my Bible holster, I have this other verse. These are the only two I have on here. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So thy word is true. Okay, that's what he's telling us but your word is truth. Did you guys catch that? It is truth. And I want us to note, guys, the condition of this freedom or liberation. If we abide in his word, we're going to experience a freedom. We're going to experience a liberation. Okay? I just came for spaghetti tonight with some venison. Why are you talking to me about this tonight? <laughs> guys, because I know it's God's desire. The living God, the God of the Bible, he wants us to be free. His heart is that we would be set free to know the truth. But he's also telling us, guys, that we need to hold to his truth. It's not just, oh, yeah, we can throw God or the God of the Bible in the mix of all the others that are out there. Either he's right or he's wrong. Either we accept his word as truth or we don't. But have we taken the time to actually seek out that truth, to personally hunt for that truth? You see, it's not just knowing the truth, but it's living the truth. Because I even know people who give lip service to the Bible. Hey, I believe it. I believe in God of the Bible. Well, why don't you live it then? If you truly believe he's God, why don't you live it? You see, we can hunt for many things. And we like to hunt. Okay. What are some of the things that you guys enjoy hunting for? What's your favorite thing to go hunting for? Fish. Anybody? Fish. You got a favorite fish? Oh, walleye's good. What else do you guys like to hunt for? Grouse. Grouse. You're a good shot. I've been skeet shooting with that guy before. What else do you guys like to hunt? Anybody like delicious bucks? Yeah. What else, guys? Rabbit. We had a few rabbits. Yeah. Rabbit's good. What else do you guys like hunting for? Is there something you guys enjoy, not necessarily how it tastes, <laughs> but you enjoy the hunt itself? What'd you say before, Jeremiah? 
that you enjoy. You're about to go, and you really enjoy hunting these. Did you tell me you were going turkey hunting? Oh, yeah. And it's rad. I've never been turkey. He's trying to talk it up, like, you know. <laughs> you know, my turkey hunting is going to the grocery store. Ooh, which one looks big and juicy? <laughs> Yeah, but there's different reasons why we'll hunt different things. Some people enjoy different aspects. Some people like being on the water. Some people like being in the middle of the woods in, you know, sub-zero temperatures, freezing your butt off, waiting for him. You know? Everybody's a little different. But hunting for truth, guys, and I'm going to close this up here. It is the most rewarding hunt that you will ever find in life. There is nothing better than hunting for God. And he's not out there playing hide and seek with us. Do you guys know that? Okay. He is there. He is promised when, if anybody, if you will seek me with all of your heart, he is promised in his word. God said that you will find him. That is a problem that a lot of people face today because they're like, well, if God is there, why doesn't he reveal himself? He does every day. There are so many people that come to know the living God. Every single day. How many of you guys in this room would have a testimony that you've come to know the living God? Okay. He does that. Okay. And we can't say, hey, he's not findable. You can't hunt for him. Because he himself said, no. (laughs) If you do, you will find me. But the problem is we hunt for the lesser things in this life. Because some people, they it's going to cost me something if I decide to take on that hunt if i actually go look for truth they don't understand that there's a freedom in it they've bought into a lie i'm not going to have my own life i'm not going to be able to do my own thing and let me tell you what guys the most beautiful thing in god's creation is when we finally humble ourselves and say yes to god's way you created things a certain way for a purpose And if we've been created for you (laughs) and you're there for us, you've created us for relationship and not just in this life, not it's an eternal relationship. He's created us for his glory and his purposes. When you start walking in those things, you find the freedom that you've been created to long for, to want to live in. And it's one of the most beautiful things. And on the flip side, too, maybe you're not hunting for God. I've heard people say that Jesus is the hound of heaven. (laughs) There's sometimes God will find you and hunt you down. And I know people who've been running from the Lord. God is right there after them. And they they, they just keep resisting. They keep fighting it. God is there. It doesn't matter what you've done, how bad you are. Because I'm sure you're a sinner just like me. We've all fallen short. We've all blown it. But that's the cool thing of our God. Because Jesus really did come. He really is God. He really did die on a cross for the sins of this world. And he really did rise from the dead. And really, guys, whoever calls on his name, they will be saved. That's what this book says. But there needs to be a repentance. There needs to be a turning. Well, (laughs) I'm hunting after the things of this life. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn and I'm going to start hunting after God. I'm going to seek truth. I'm going to set my heart to seek the living God. Nothing better than that. 
One last scripture I want to share with you guys before Tim comes up and shares with us. It's found in Isaiah uh, chapter 42. He says, I will keep you and I will make you to be a covenant for my people and a light to the Gentiles, to open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from the prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Now he's speaking to Israel, but the part that I love about this scripture, guys, is the heart that we see of the living God. What is his heart? Again, look at it, guys. His heart is that the eyes of the blind would be open. He doesn't want to see people go to hell, okay, to continue on in their sin. He's the great liberator. He wants to see people free, guys, to be released from these prisons, these dungeons, these who sit in darkness. A lot of darkness in the world today, guys. A lot of darkness. And it's sad because we're living in a day and age where a lot of people don't hunt for truth. A lot of people don't seek the Lord. I have the privilege of pastoring here. I've had the privilege of doing ministry for many, two decades, 20 years. I can count on one hand, guys, how many people have just walked through the door saying, hey, I'm hunting for God. (laughs) I want to know the truth. Very few people who seek today. But we can stir each other up to hunt. I don't know where you stand with the Lord today. I don't know if you're thinking what I'm sharing with you is a bunch of baloney or if you're being pricked in your heart saying, hey, there is some truth to this. There is more to life. Maybe I do need to pick up his word and seek, hunt for myself to find out whether these things are so or not. I would encourage you guys to do that. This time I'm going to have Tim Tulls come up. I love Tim. Uh, Yeah. Um, I got to know Tim from the jail ministry. How many of you guys are familiar with Foxvale Jail Ministry? It's a ministry that uh, takes place here right at Outagamie County Jail. Um, But it's a ministry that's encouraging people to seek the truth. A lot of Bibles go out, people read, and it's so cool what God's doing through it. But he's had a heart for jail ministry. That's how I got to know him. Um, He liked me, so he started hanging out here at Freedom. Uh, Ex-biker, he's down at the pantry, serves with us. I love my Thursday mornings. I get to see Tim weekly. We have a Bible study right here at 7 o'clock. If any of you men want to ever join us, it's an hour long. We just finished Chronicles. We're starting Ezra next week in this book, Hunting for the Lord. Uh, But I asked Tim to share tonight uh, his testimony because it kind of actually comes into a hunting scenario which I always thought was pretty cool uh, but if you guys would welcome Tim up at this time as he shares with us uh, no some of is and some of is I don't know but uh, uh, what happened to me a long time ago uh, uh, brought me to the Lord uh, where it all started was uh, uh, I was raised a Catholic I'm a large family 11 kids in our family and very uh, very uh, devout uh, mom and dad to uh, sending us to school. Uh, uh, all of us, there was 11 of us, and we all went to school at uh, Catholic school. Uh, uh, I graduated eighth grade at uh, Holy Angels in Darboy. 
by the time I finished eighth grade, I didn't believe in Jesus or anything they were teaching me. I believed there was a God. I mean, we couldn't have all this without a God, but I didn't take it personally. I didn't take Jesus Christ as for real. Uh, that was eighth grade. I went to high school in Kimberly. Within my first two months of going to high school in Kimberly, I was uh, out of school for almost a week because I was nailed for burglary. So I went back to school in Kimberly, and here's this farm boy from Darboy, and everybody at Kimberly High School took notice of me. And I had an attitude. Somebody give me a hard time at school, it would be right now, right here in the hallway, we're going to do it. And that's what was my attitude. That's just the way it was. And not a nice guy. Uh, I graduated Kimberly High School in 69. Uh, and I got my draft notice in October. So my girlfriend and I got married. She was going to have a baby. And uh, I went to Vietnam. And but what I did, though, is I joined so I could pick my own job out. You get drafted, you're a grunt out in the jungle. Not a good place to be. Bad, bad. I joined and, uh, uh, so I could pick up my job. And uh, what I wound up being is a door gunner with the first cab on a helicopter. Uh, all the times that we were shot at and everything, I know enough. If that would have been a good shot on their part, I would be in hell forever. But I didn't believe in hell. I didn't believe in any of that stuff. And uh, it was at a point when uh, we went into Cambodia in 1970. We went into Cambodia to uh, pursue the Vietnamese, the North Vietnamese on the Ho Chi Minh Trail. Uh, while we were in Cambodia on one uh, flight one day, uh, all of a sudden our pilot put in a May Day. He got done putting in a mayday. He asked us, myself, I was a door gunner, and, and Dave, the crew chief, he was a door gunner, and he took care of the helicopter. Uh, we had to watch for a clearing so we could land because we were running out of fuel. Uh, I thought we were dead. I thought we were dead meat. There was two Cobras, them were the rocket, long rocket ships with the rockets on each side, two of them going over us. A Charlie model, Huey, came in, pushed off a 55-gallon drum of JP-4, that's jet fuel, and threw out a hand pump, and psh, they were gone. I rolled over Jumped back in, plugged in my helmet, said, okay, we're clear, we got gas, let's get out of here. Anyway, that's how it all was. And it's like, for the number of times our helicopter was shot, and for so many different things that uh, happened to me, he was looking out for me this whole time. I didn't believe. I didn't believe. Nope, I didn't believe. But if it wasn't for him looking out for me this whole time, I'd be dead meat. Well, I get out of the Army. I meet my second wife, Linda, uh, at my sister's wedding. I was uh, 22 and she was 16. Uh, uh, but in those days, this is back in 1969, or back in 1972, so things were different. People didn't look at it like now. But the fact was, her and I, after uh, we went out for a year and a half, and then we left and went to live in Florida. Nobody knew where we were at. So... By right now, I should just be getting out of prison because you can't take a 17-year-old girl down to Florida to live with you. Anyway, we came back. At Christmas time, we came back, told her parents we wanted to get married, so they had to sign the papers because she was 17. We got married. Uh, over time, we had uh, three kids. But early in our marriage, uh, uh, we were at a party where there were some D.C. Eagles. And two DC Eagles took an interest in me. 
they liked me. They both uh, wanted to prospect me into the club. So I said, okay, sounds good. Here's the deal. In the, in the D.C. Eagles at that time, they, I, I don't know if any of you guys ever heard of them, but they weren't really nice people. <laughs> but uh, 92% or more of the people in the club were Vietnam vets. So there, there was that camaraderie from Vietnam and riding with the club and that, 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 that. I did that. <clears throat> I got to be an officer. I took care of the books and the money. I was not a nice guy. Most of you wouldn't talk to me. If you would have seen me in those days, you wouldn't stop to talk to me, you know. But uh, there's a fellow named John Hartsheim. He was in the D.C. Eagles, too. But he quit because he became a Christian. He quit the D.C. Eagles because he became a Christian. Well, that, in uh, September, somebody, uh, I got in a, somebody tried to run me off the road, so I, I, I pulled up in the parking lot out at uh, uh, Greenleaf, and I, uh, his window was open, and he had tried to run me off the road, so I walked over to his car and pounded him up a little bit. Not bad, but just a little bit. Anyway, next thing I knew, I was in St. Uh, 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 Vincent's Hospital in Green Bay. He started up his car. After I, after I hit him a few times, uh, I got on my motorcycle, and I was pulling up my zipper. I can still remember that, because next thing I knew, I was in the hospital. Like, what's going on here? Anyway, <clears throat> he hit me and dragged me like 170-some feet out of the parking lot down the road. Motorcycle was totaled. I should have been dead. I just got some bad wounds from it, but the Lord didn't want me, or I'd be dead, and I would be ever, forever dead. No, uh, well, after that accident happened, I went to John Hartstein. He's a very, very motorcycle mechanic. He had his own shop and everything, but he was no longer a DC Eagle, he was, but he was a Christian. In fact, in 1992, he started the Fox Valley Jail Ministry. Uh, he was helping me with my bike. I had to put a new bike together. My bike got totaled in that accident. He's helped me put a new bike together. Three days, we're down in his shop, working on the engine, working on the bike, and he keeps talking to me about Christ. Yeah, John, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's enough of that. I mean, anyway. Several years later, I was deer hunting with Jim Swears. Jim Swears and I have been, I started deer hunting with his dad when I was, I think I was 13 or 14, we'd go deer hunting with his dad. Anyway, uh, Jim and I were deer hunting here now. Uh, uh, this is a 1982, 1982 opening weekend. We're out deer hunting. That night, when we were done deer hunting, Saturday night, he starts talking to me just like John Hartsheim talked to me, and we started having a discussion. I didn't shut him off. I didn't, we had a discussion. He, him and I were friends from when we were little. Only he remained a Christian. I didn't. He joined the army with me. I was going to join the army, so he joined the army with me. So that's how close we were. Well, we were talking about it, having a discussion. And then uh, the next day I got out of my stand Sunday morning, and I was waiting and uh, waiting for one to come out to me. And all of a sudden somebody went, Tim, come with me. All of a sudden, I started thinking about this, and I thought, you are for real. You are for real. 
It grabbed me so hard I couldn't believe it. When Landon started telling us about Amazing Grace, I heard that song, Amazing Grace, how sweet thou art, save a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm fine. Found, was blind, but now I see. Who wrote that was a slave ship captain who found Christ and wrote Amazing Grace. And Amazing Grace touched my heart so much. It's just like, I told Jim Sears, I got to go talk to a minister. I got to go. I, I, I'm done deer hunting. I got to go. I went back. I went to uh, uh, Mount Calvary, uh, Wisconsin Lutheran Synod, because I know the Wisconsin Lutheran Synod went by the regular Bible 100%, and that's where I wanted to be, in the Bible, the Word of God. That's his word. That's... So I went to the church there, and I talked to Pastor Toppy. I stopped my motorcycle out in front of his home on Pine Street in Kimberly. I walked up to his door. He was looking out the window, and he told me this at their anniversary because their youngest daughter and our middle daughter were best friends, and he took a ministry down in Fond du Lac. They're having their 40th wedding anniversary for their parents, and they called us up to come down. Well, Pastor Toppy was walking us out of the basement after the celebration and everything, and all of a sudden he says to me, you know what, Tim? You are the person who scared me most in my whole life. When I watched you walking up to my door, I didn't know what you were going to do. But you got, I had, my ponytail was down to my back. I had a big bushy red beard. I mean, I looked like not a nice guy. And, uh, but anyway, uh, that was the beginning of my best, the best thing that ever happened to me. The, if I would have died, it would have been hell forever, but I didn't. And that was in 1982. I was 32, and now I'm going to be 72. So that's almost 40 years ago. It's like, and he's walked with me through that. And everybody, take your book and read. His word is it. Thank you. I've gotten to know Tim pretty good. <laughs> and I just can't picture in my head him being scary because he is one of the most sweetest dudes. I know, just so encouraging. Always, you know, even early mornings, like, hey, top of the morning, this is a beautiful day God's given us. Like, you know, God changes people. He really does. And that's why I wanted him to share his testimony, you know. And as I shared before, I hope you guys didn't feel like I was like, you know, laying down the smack on you. You guys need to know what God has revealed to us of himself is that he is a loving God. He is an all-powerful God. He is just, but he loves us, you know, and that's why we just want to encourage you guys to hunt for truth, to look for him, because he is good, and he does love you, and there is a way that we can be forgiven, just like Tim testified. He can change our lives. He can set us free, you know, even crazy ex-bikers getting saved. That's a normal thing with our God, and that's what the world doesn't get because they can't spiritually see and understand that God can change people. And that's what happens when you come to faith in Christ. He promises that he will give you his spirit. You will be born again by the spirit of the living God. All things become new. Your eyes open and you're able to see things very clear for the first time. It's beautiful. So um, I want to share this really quick because... <clears throat> My daughter made a contract today for my wife to come to this tonight. She's never made one contract before in her life. But dear mom, please come to the Hunting for Truth tonight. I really want you to come. Pretty please, a, 
what is this? 10 trillion cherries on top, please. Okay. Sign here for yes. Sign here for no. And mommy signed <laughs> for yes. But the reason why I share that, guys, it's the same thing that God does with all of us. <laughs> I love you. I don't want to see you damned to hell in your sins. I want to see you free. If you say yes to me, if you will come to me, I will set you free. It's kind of like a contract. And all we can say is, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> I'll sign that. That sounds pretty good. And babe, you'll be glad you came tonight because this spaghetti is going to be rad. <laughs> well, let, yeah, I'm going to have Jeremiah share um, one of his articles. What's the, is it on Facebook these get posted or on their website? Both. You guys can check out Hunting for Truth. What's that? Hunting the truth. Gotcha. Yeah, and you can find some of his articles on there. But he's going to share uh, one of his devotionals, and we're going to do some door prizes, and then we'll wrap things up tonight. All right. So this past year, uh, past October, uh, men's retreat, um, I talked to Landon a few times about baptism and uh, decided that at men's retreat, I wanted to be baptized. So after baptism, um, he allowed us to take a wilderness walk because this place where we're at is surrounded by woods. And uh, just to, to think and spend some time um, reflecting. And um, something pretty cool happened while I was on that walk. And I wrote a devotion a lot of it, so I'm going to share that with you today. Um, I named it... Uh, this devotional, uh, Quiet the Noise. So on Saturday, October 9th, 2021, um, I made the personal decision to, or at, to get baptized at a men's Bible retreat. And this decision wasn't made you know, lightly. It came after about two years of putting my time into studying biblical baptism, what it was, um, you know, asking various pastors questions you know, about baptism and what they believed, and uh, praying about it. So um, getting baptized, it was, a, you know, an amazing experience, you know, joyful, tear-filled moment. Um, but it wasn't the only moment that happened that day that moved me. Um, after, my, after the baptism, Landon dismissed us to do the, um, the solo wilderness walk. And um, so as I was walking through these nice, tranquil trails that winded through the the campus grounds um, where we were lodging at. Um, whoops. I think I messed up up there. Anyways, um, as I made my way down the trail that looped this small lake adjacent to the pond where I was baptized, um, I heard a very faint sound of a partridge drumming in the distance. Um, not really knowing if I heard it through the noise of the fallen leaves rustling beneath my feet, I stopped to listen, and I heard it clearly now, that unmistakable thump of a partridge drumming. This moment spoke to me because the faint sound of the drum reminded me of God in a way. You see, we spend so much time in our lives being busy, so busy that we miss out on his guidance in our lives. We pray, but we rarely take the time to listen. Um, the rustling of the leaves beneath my busy feet reminded me of the noise we fill our lives with. This noise can be work, um, our work lives, home responsibilities, worry, Facebook, uh, TV, you name it, and the list goes on. 
there's always something. Um, if I hadn't stopped walking, you know, creating the noise, um, I would have drowned out the drumming and not been able to hear it clearly. Uh, just like my walk in the woods, we need to stop the noise in our lives to hear what God has in store for us. Um, I was reminded in that moment of the importance of stopping the noise I create in my life and taking the time not only to pray, but to listen without distraction more often. Uh, I think this is so applicable to all of us in our walks. Um, our prayers are direct calls to God, and we need to be intent to listen to his response. Um, you know, at times, and I've been, this has been proven to me so many times that we just need to get out of our way, out of our own way, and, um, you know, take time to slow down and uh, listen for his guidance. So that, is, uh, that was my experience.